Hi, I'm Tyra G., your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal listeners. Yeah, fearsome and generous, humble and honest, in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. You know, here we dig deep and we come up strong. We bravely walk into places where tradition has taught us there's some things you just don't talk about. But not at this table, and no matter how hard judgment knocks, it can't come in. Beloved, here we live beyond the wreckage. Every week, we experience, educate, encourage, and empower one another. We have a firm belief that everyone not only has a story, but everyone is a story. So we share some aha moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for too long. Although many of your voices will speak light into darkness, there is no insignificant person around this table. Each week we start right where we are. The dress code is your authenticity, your inner awesome, and your belief that impossible is merely a word to describe the degree of difficulty. Frankly speaking with Tyra G is one of my most ambitious dreams. I thank God for every remembrance of you and your gifts of ideas, your presence, and your encouragement. These are gifts that inspire. You know I can't do this show without you, right? Thank you so very much. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia. Cablecast on Cox and Verizon Files, Channel 37, and Comcast, Channel 27 in Reston. And we are webcast worldwide at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Should you miss us, no worries. You can catch our archive, Frankly Speaking with Tyra G., podcasts wherever you listen to yours, your favorites, that is. And if you feel like connecting with me offline, you know that's easy. Email me at tyra at tyragarlington.com. Thanks so very much for tuning in. And thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme song. And for naming it, I'm listening. For five years, Frankly Speaking with Tyra G has been telling thematic stories to touch the mind, the heart, and the spirit. They've been multicultural, intergenerational, educational, and inspirational. And they've been told by you, my co-host, my listeners. Thank you so much. However, we are in the midst of an ongoing season of uncertainty, unrest, unnatural disasters, and unnecessary violence and death. We have all been touched by a fresh sense of fragility in both ourselves and in our social systems. As a result, this has become a testing time a time to look hard and recognize that we are doing better than we think. This is a time to elevate voices of hope. This is a time to reimagine what's essential. 
This is a time for believers to remember. The author of Genesis is also the author of Revelation. He is still in the miracle business. This is a time to be encouraged. However, on occasion, in order to survive, we're challenged to encourage ourselves. We need to recognize that we are a journey, not a destination, a process, not an event. Even when we're still, we are in motion, loving, serving, nurturing, encouraging, and empowering. We are love, and love does. But sometimes, sometimes we get stuck between our no longer, the familiar, the habits, and are not yet who we were created to be. And we may ask the question, am I enough? By the way, the right answer is a resounding yes. Some special words to establish our common thought space are offered by noted karmic astrologer Doris Jones. And I quote, Each of us comes into life with a promise a gift, a passion, and a deep, heartfelt desire. The promise is what you have come into life to master. You have made a promise to yourself to overcome, resolve, or heal some aspect of your consciousness. As you face your life's experiences, you're given the opportunity to fulfill that promise. Your responses to your experiences determine whether you fulfill or break the promise you've made to yourself. The gift is what you have come to give to life. It is the cornerstone of self-determination and self-actualization. The gift constitutes your talents and your abilities. The special things you do is only you can do them. The gift is enhanced and diminished by how you do what you do and how you share with others those things you do naturally or well. Passion represents those things that you pursue for the sheer joy of it. Those things that you do that make you feel alive and meaningful, valuable and worthy. Most of us are frightened away from or talked out of our passion. We're made to feel it's inappropriate or useless. The heartfelt desire is the thing you most want to experience in life. Some want love. Others want acceptance. Most of us want both. The difficulty we face is not losing our identity or integrity in pursuit of heartfelt desire. Until today, you may not have been aware of the true meaning and purpose of your life. So just for today, ask the Holy Spirit, your guardians, your angels, and your guides to reveal to you how each of these elements is represented in your life. Put this message up on your mirror on a post-it as a daily reminder, and I want you to say, Today, I am devoted to pursuing a deeper meaning and a more divine expression in my life. There could not have been a more perfect time to hear from my very, very special guest this evening, Dr. Mamie Parker, who has discovered her promise, her gift, her passion. 
Her presence is so timely as we continue to focus on the concept of sustainability and legacy as it relates to climate change, thought leadership, a positive society legacy. Now, Dr. Mamie, I'm going to tell you, she's got this long title and she's going to have to unpack it as Department of Wildlife Resources Commissioner. Now, Mamie, I'm going to hand, hand this mic over to you, but that title, I need you to unpack, and then I want you to talk about why you chose the title for this show that you chose. The mic is yours. Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity, my sister. And uh, I'm just uh, so inspired by your passion, your inspiration, and your excellence in just getting the word out to us this uh, evening already. Um, my, I am uh, the uh, commissioner, one of the commissioners for the Department of Wildlife Resources. The governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia appointed uh, me to represent the uh, district in which I live in to uh, work with individuals and hear their voices and be the voice of fish and wildlife and those resources that we need to protect mm. in this state. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to say this. Mamie is a woman of color, a dynamic woman of color. When I met her, I didn't know her title. I was so impressed by her, I did all this research. And uh, it was amazing. And then I said, wait a minute. How does this woman come up with something like wildlife, fish? Where did that come from, Amy? Were you a little girl and woke up and said, oh, I like fish? What happened? How did you get here? <laughs> so it does. And it's always usually something or someone early in our lives that influenced us. And I tell people all of the time, it was Mama and Marvin. Uh, that's my mother, Miss <laughs> Piggy Parker, and she was, uh, I grew up in the rural south in uh, southern Arkansas, northern Louisiana, uh-huh. and I happened to be an illegitimate child that my mother had, and uh, she took me fishing with her in, in the outdoors, I believe, to teach me a lot of life lessons, but also to make me feel good about the fact that being this illegitimate child in this small town, that there were going to be a lot of uh, kids that teased me, and, um, you know, that happens some of the time. But I, I just think that she um, also loved, love, love fishing herself. And then um, when I got to high school, I had a high school teacher that introduced me to Marvin Gaye. So I said, Mama <laughs> and Marvin. I love it. You're a musician. I mean, you love music, so you know. Marvin had this song out about the time. Uh, it was Mercy, Mercy Me. Yes, yes, yes. You remember that one? Thing mercy, like Mercy it? Me. Yes, 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 yes. Life in what it used to be. Uh huh. Yes, and he talked about the blue skies and he yeah. said radiation in the air and he said mercury in the fish that we eat. And I uh, knew that fish was a big part of my uh, diet. Uh, protein in our family came from the land. Uh-huh. Um, and so I heard him talk about that. And between the two of them, just decided that I wanted to do something about this. And it's amazing because I looked at my graduation speech. Um, and there in my high school graduation speech, I talk about America the beautiful was not beautiful anymore. Ah, we all needed to be called to action to do great things. And which graduation was this high school? Yes, high school. And you yes, had this sensitivity and this this sensitivity and this passion then. 
Okay. Absolutely. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and as you know that, um, well, we talked about um, this is April and this is Earth Day month. Yes. It was 1970 that Earth Day became official. Uh, and uh, doing the Earth Day celebration, I was even more inspired uh, back then to, uh, because youth all over the country um, decided, too, that they wanted to uh, stand up and be and speak on behalf of the Earth. So that started my journey. Oh, my goodness. Well, okay. All right. Now I see you. By the way, I want you... I want you to edit the term illegitimate, okay? Because what it sounded yeah. like to me is you were mightily loved by your mother. Well, I, t- I think you're right about that. What I should say, I'm their love child, right? Yes, yes. I was getting to that. I was going there. <laughs> yes, yes. And my mission in life, my mission in life is to help us, no matter who we are, to make sure our internal script reflect the fact that we are loved okay thank you so much for that wisdom i appreciate it i receive it okay all right so um at high school you're talking about this this is your you were giving the speech right yes in my high school graduation class and then i went on to college and didn't know what i wanted to study because i didn't see a lot of role models there weren't a lot of black and brown people that look like me or act like me that was interested in this. So I decided to study biology and uh, had a chance to, uh, at one particular time, to do an internship uh, with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. I thought it was going to be in Arkansas uh, when I signed up for it. I found out later it was in Wisconsin. And so (laughs) my journey started by me leaving the South and uh, doing uh, several internships in Wisconsin and Minnesota and uh, going uh, to take classes and going to school in uh, Tennessee and Wisconsin and eventually um, becoming a fish and wildlife biologist at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So I left, um, and my first job was in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where I worked uh, in the Great Lakes and did a lot of work on pollution and Mm. uh, really promoting clean water and clean um, land uh, for fish and wildlife. And what a journey that was uh, for me uh, to be able to be inspired by others and learn from them, you know, a girl from the South, um, you know, moving up North. That was a challenge in itself. But the passion and the inspiration, again, for that work, really helped me build confidence, uh, received lots of great mentoring, mm. uh, learned to be, you know, creative. Uh, left there and went to Madison, Wisconsin, went to school, uh, and then left there and went to um, Columbia, Missouri, worked with farmers mm-hmm. in the boot hill of Missouri. Again, all of these, this, this work, what I really came to realize is that people wonder why, and you say it, you said it too, and I like why fish and wildlife and really here's the message of my speech is that uh, my speech is throughout the country and throughout the world is if we save fish and wildlife if we save the earth we'll save ourselves because we're so connected right look at absolutely absolutely and you know what i was two things me i i we can put in our commercial it turns out mamie and i belong to rotary rotary international and one of our main emphasis is clean water 
and mm-hmm. we have come to understand we go to countries underdeveloped countries and we build wells and you say okay so they got mm-hmm. wells but wait a minute that also means girls can go to school now okay mm-hmm. we built you know the sanitation the whole thing um when when you said fish and wildlife right away i perked up because you're absolutely right you're starting with one species to impact the ultimate species right if we can do it right there, we should be able to do it right for ourselves. That's a should, though, Mamie. That's a big should. But before we That's jump off, should. yeah, I want to I wanna do something else. I heard mm-hmm. you mention Minnesota, Wisconsin, Missouri. Missouri yeah. Georgia. Okay, so let, let's think about it. <laughs> she, she is not a traveling songs person she is a person that was gaining wisdom wherever she was but here's here's what i want you to talk to the audience about what was it like for you to walk into these new communities they were new to you how did you feel how were you received and how did you manage wow so i felt alone i felt like uh, i felt like most pioneers are very lonesome environments uh, didn't always find my space in place. Um, you know, didn't have my people there. Mm-hmm. It was hard. It was really difficult. And a lot of times being excluded, uh-huh. uh, really just about memories back of this third grade girl that integrated my school. I grew up in the Jim Crow South. And our I know it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, it, it, it was a flashback of those times. And you know, there were still men. This is a male-dominated field. Yes. And um, so to have men to assume that you don't belong, I've I've heard, um, you know, them say that you should be home having babies. Mm-hmm. Um, I started in the late 70s, mid to late 70s. So this has been a while now. Uh, so there weren't very many women, certainly no black women in this field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I heard the N-word. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've um, heard it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so all of those things made me want to do like most of us do, want to quit. But mm-hmm. um, what kept uh, kept us going was, number one, I love, love, love that most people don't get the, the privilege to do the work that their passion. They do jobs. This was my passion. That's why, yes, and that's why I wanted people to hear you, and that's why I wanted to use the word passion as an introduction, because that can take you where no no man has gone before, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's what happened to you, because I I know, I know the Jim Crow South, and I'm thinking Mm. this is a singular young woman with a passion Mm. and in a field that is male-dominated, and... Alone, now and alone, and I, I, I really had because my family was very, very poor. Um, I had limited um, resources uh, where I could just say I'm going to take a, a trip back home, you know, this weekend or that work weekend. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I where I was, I had to stay uh, until I was able to maybe a holiday or two where I had a chance to go back. But um, also. Um, I think that it was hard, too, because not a lot of people of color, including my family, Mm -hmm. understood 
the value of what I was doing, and I was unable always to articulate it. Mm. We, you know, so they said, you want to be a doctor? Why would you want to be a fish doctor? Be a real doctor, you know, because... Ah, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In their minds, you know, we had worked in the fields, and they had worked in the fields, and they were like, why would you want to be outdoors? You know, success for them was having an office with a door. And you know, Mamie, that that I want I want us to stay there for a second, put a comma there, because that's almost mm-hmm. a metaphor. OK, mm-hmm. you have doctor mm-hmm. in front of your name and you mm-hmm. want to be in the field. For those who mm-hmm. don't know, during times of slavery, the field is where the lesser of the mm-hmm. slaves were. And mm-hmm. and, you know, they are not understanding the, the nomenclature of higher education thinking doctor is medical doctor probably you know mm-hmm. absolutely and then be a real doctor yeah be a real doctor so here we have another a layer and one more layer of challenge for you mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this challenge was with family by that i mm-hmm. mean extended whomever else you know how do i explain mm-hmm. who i am passionate about becoming when you don't have a frame of reference to know how special it is and uh, i want i want people listening to you and especially little girls of color to understand Mm -hmm. they can go where no little girl of color has ever gone before but Mm -hmm. mamie you know what you said you talked about all the challenges Mm -hmm. the passion kept you going but what else what else on those nights when you felt less than how'd you get through that well, I also I have to tell you that I had memories of of my mother and those, those words that she shared with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had heroes and heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, I had um, individuals that I read about. Black history uh, taught me about folks, you know, that really helped me along the way. Harriet Tubman. Amen. You know, if you think about, I walked through some of the same areas that she did, and she knew the vegetation so she knew what to avoid she knew what to use she knew what would hurt uh, others she knew the waterways and mm. all that mm. so a lot of times i was inspired by people like uh you know harriet tugman uh and there were other days when i think about again my mother and i say you don't have to be famous to be unforgettable absolutely mother, absolutely you know, i i thought about her she had 11 children i'm her 11 Wow. And she had what I thought was an eighth grade education. Ancestry.com says it might have been a fifth grade education, but Mm -hmm. inspired by what she was able to do in raising these children and raising us to really be responsible citizens, you know, um, that was very inspirational to me as well. And then finally, I think there was an assumption that we would quit. Mm. You I know, hear you. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so so I think being inspired by the fact that, um, you know, you can't quit when you have this privilege to stand here and on the on the shoulders of others that have come before you, but also uh, those that are behind us, because I wanted no one to say, well, we hired that one and she left. Yes, you yes, know? yes. Uh, I so, hear you loud and clear. Um, and I'll have to tell you, there were some white men that helped me, too, along the way. That's why I say he rose and she rose. Cause mm-hmm. I, I couldn't have made it. And I do think that 
that white men deserve some of what they're getting now, but um, but there are a lot of good white men out there that um, that have helped a lot of us and 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 helped us along the way. So I, I will have to give them credit for uh, giving me things like my first security deposit. I didn't even know what a security deposit was because we own our little shack. Yes. So, so you know, my first boss. Um, you know, had to loan me money until I got my first paycheck. Uh-huh. And, uh, I'm forever grateful for that. Well, and I think, um, I, um, first of all, I agree and I commend mm-hmm. those who stepped up. I've had a similar experience walking into IBM being taken mm-hmm. by, by two men that were described as racist and sexist. And for some reason they wanted Tyra to be a winner, you know? Mm-hmm. But what before we get too far, I I have an international audience, and I submit to you that there are probably several listeners that won't know who Harriet Tubman is. Can you briefly tell them her significance and who she is? So uh, we happen to live in an area where Harriet Tubman uh, lived in the the, the uh, District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia area. And she was a slave mm-hmm. uh, that decided that she wanted to help others be free. And so she uh, helped a lot of slaves escape uh, to the uh, north from uh, uh, below the uh, Mason-Dixon line to become free. Mm-hmm. And that involved a lot of danger for her. And each time with her courage and her confidence, and, and just her tenacity, mm-hmm. she uh, went back and got others. Uh, uh, so that's that's the history of, of Harriet Tubman. And she's a legacy that we we hold on to in dark days. <laughs> when, Absolutely. You know, uh, yeah, we need some sheroes. Uh, yeah, okay, I have totally interrupted your flow, but that's okay. That's okay. I think the story you're telling is so significant, and somehow I want to figure out how to get this story uh, to some younger women uh, that may not have access or may not be aware of who you are. Right. So we'll figure that part out. So right Absolutely. now you've got heroes and sheroes, loving mom, love mom, love who we found in the books or who we heard stories about, and that's one thing. Uh, a lot of people may not be aware of so much of our legacy, our history. What we know is because of a verbal tradition, uh-huh. uh, because we didn't have books necessarily available to us unless we were lucky in certain situations. But the stories, the stories have kept us alive and kept our stories alive. So I can appreciate that. Now, I've got you alone with all those issues mm-hmm. and yet mm-hmm. and yet mm-hmm. becoming your own shero mm-hmm. by grabbing well, the, go ahead go ahead no and just just holding on to my mother's memories because i tell you she died two weeks before i graduated oh so, um so that 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 was a painful time for me but it, it was in her honor because you know to become head of fisheries in this country is where I ended my career, um, uh, you know, over all 50 states in this country uh, working to protect fisheries, but also marine mammals, two polar bear, warruses, uh, um, 
you know, manatee, all of that, you know. So I'll have to say, too, there was a lot of inspiration from the fact that she dies. At, and when I was so young, um, that this, this was a way to keep me going and growing. Now I want you to say what you said again, because it just kind of rolled out. Head of Fisheries for the United States of America. People, do you hear that? Okay. And I want you to say again what that includes. I would not have put manatees and all that in there. What is that? What? So uh, so fisheries, of course, uh, I dealt uh, with the inland fisheries in this country, all the fish that are, uh, you know, the rivers and streams and lakes that are in this country and work with other scientists that was doing a lot of the research, doing a lot of what we call management, determining uh, how many would uh, could be taken from streams, uh, uh, also looking at those that were endangered or threatened uh, of their existence, so protecting them, uh, going out, doing countings, and, and looking to see what numbers were out there and all of that. But in addition to that, head of fisheries in this country at U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, also included working closely with the marine mammals that are mm. in the country. Mm-hmm. And um, that's in Alaska and Florida. Um, and that's why I mentioned some of those other species as well. Because I, I lived in Florida and I was amazed to see the manatees. I was just like, really? Mm-hmm. This is real? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All and, of- and human interactions with them, you know, yes. how they impact and, and have, have some impact on them. And, and that's what's going on. i got to talk a little bit about climate change. I was, you know, here. I just wrote that down. I just wrote climate change. I was going to direct, never mind. How does, all, how does everything you have shared with us relate to what we're faced with right now? Absolutely. And people don't always see the connection. But, uh, you know, even 40, 50 years ago, we were working to um, – to protect um, lands from where the trees were, uh, where they were cutting down trees. And Mm -hmm. people didn't understand that. And we weren't able always to articulate it, but trees, they have a valuable role in our, in our, you know, environment where they keep the um, land, uh, the earth shaded and cooler. Uh, You know, they're there for oxygen purposes and carbon Um, purposes and so we need to uh, figure out ways to continue to protect those and we were doing that back in those days flooding if you think about now we have flooding everywhere we were trying really hard and have been trying really hard scientists like myself uh, because climate change has induced flooding in many areas and our goal uh, was to protect a lot lot of the streams and, and give recommendations to engineers and others that were building highways and dams and buildings and houses all along these streams to say you need to protect the stream and keep them in their natural shape because, um, you know, the streams and the lands adjacent to the streams are important to absorb the waters, you know, but if it's all concrete, it's going to be hard to do that. Do you know what, Mamie, I have to tell you, I just, I have to tell you, I don't know. People don't know. We're not in the same room. My After I put climate change, I have trees absorb water during <laughs> during heavy rains. Concrete does not. And you just, I don't know. We're being straight woman to one another tonight. <laughs> but that, I'm, the recent floods we had, they mentioned that, and they talked about places like New York. Well, they were talking about California. 
all of the highways and everything and all the trees they took away from that and now there's no place for the water to go there's no place for the water to go now and there's no place for it to be absorbed because concrete does not absorb water they are now designing a different type of concrete that will do that but um but but these natural disasters, we just had one in my home state of Arkansas this past weekend, mm-hmm. and it's been 50 years since they've had something like that. All of this is induced by our climate change and and the problems uh, that we have uh, with the carbon that's in, uh, that's you know emitted into our environment, and we just need to do a better job of of uh, you know reducing our footprints. The fires out in California, again, this is all induced by climate change and in human interaction. And so we need to uh, determine ways in which we can, um, you know, protect our environment um, by being um, careful about what we do. I tell people to start small. It's Earth Day month and start small. Uh, Think about conserving water. You know, we talked about water we know what they're going through in Flint, Michigan, and Jackson, Mississippi. Yes, they yes. don't have water like we do. Isn't that sad? And you know? it's almost unbelievable in the United States of America that we have places that don't have clean water, water they can drink. Absolutely, absolutely. So, but I say let's conserve our water first. So watch how long we take our showers. Mm-hmm. We Also, when we're brushing our teeth, you know, we let the water run, turn the water off, put a little bit of water on our toothbrushes and turn the water off. Mm-hmm. Uh, take half the time that we take a shower. Uh, we need to uh, be careful about washing our clothes. We don't always have to wash with hot water mm-hmm. uh, to conserve energy there. Turn the lights out when we leave a room. We're not doing all those things. And then you go into buildings and you freeze to death. How about that? Let's yeah, but then plastic, you know, we need to watch uh, that as well. Um, and then idling, our cars idling. Mm. We're waiting to pick up someone. And uh, I have to even catch myself because I took a call on Zoom after I left our rotary meeting today. And uh, it was hot. And the first thing that I wanted to do is to turn the air on. But I thought, this is a whole hour. This is a long time to leave my car running. Mm -hmm. So we have to really think about how we can do little things to impact climate change. Because one of the things about, and I'll be done here in a minute, but climate change will impact more black and brown people than any other population worldwide. Talk about it. uh, And, you know, because flooding, many of the areas that are flooding, um, when when they ended slavery, they gave us 40 acres and a mule. You think they gave us land that was up high <laughs> on our ancestors? <laughs> Do you think that's where we were? No, we got those swamps and we got the bottomlands. And so flooding is a big issue for us. And then pollution, mm. oh, my God, air pollution. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baltimore, Maryland, which is not too far from us, mm-hmm. you know, just incinerators that they build and all of that toxic waste sites that they put in those communities, we're suffering from that. And those are going to be the areas that are um, that are going to be the warmest uh, as we look at climate change uh, and ways in which we, we could uh, protect um, our communities from that. We got to look for, um, we got to look now because we've discovered from research that um, many of our communities, they don't have green spaces. Right, right. Mm-hmm. 
they don't have uh, USA Today did a study and they found out that the areas that they redlined uh, for the banking right, industry, right, right, right. <laughs> these are the same places where they put us for our housing, mm-hmm. and um, and so you know when we deal with with uh, the lack of trees in our communities, this is where we're going to have problems when it gets really, really hot. We we have um, nowhere to go and. You know, again, um, our communities are going to be warmer. Um, so all of these things are things that we need to think about. Uh, social justice, environmental justice, they go hand in hand. Well, I want you to know, and you can grade me and see if I've been a good listener. <laughs> no, I'm serious because the things that you said are not hard to do, okay? Mm-hmm. You okay. don't have to take a shower for an hour. Oh, that's, that rhymes. You don't have to take a shower. And you don't have to always have the hot water. When you brush your teeth, put some water on the brush. When you rinse, turn it back on. Washing yeah. clothes, be inner, energy efficient. You can wash. Now so many of the detergents are made to uh, be just as, uh, work just as well in cold water. Effective. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And then lights. Now I'm the one that's always turning off lights. But um, the idling, it's interesting because when, when I left the meeting, my car was really hot. And uh-huh. I, I rolled down the windows. And I was doing fine until I got on the freeway. And I thought, uh, okay, no, I can't hear. <laughs> you know, it was miserable. And then they're doing right. so much of the high with this guy with a hose. So the front of my window got green stuff on it. And I said, well, okay. Oh. But um, these are things that are easy. Now, here's the next question. Mm -hmm. In messaging, what Mm -hmm. is the most effective way to message? Uh, Don't say TikTok. What is the most effective way? These are easy. And and why can't we or are we have it in our curriculum for our youngsters? Like in preschool, they can start with things like this. Is that a pop? I mean, what do we do? You say these things are obvious, et cetera, but I'll bet you nine-tenths of the teenagers I know aren't even thinking about it. Well, it's amazing that you say that, but at first I think we need the right message, which is why, you know, I, I titled this whole conversation with you, Saving Nature to Save Ourselves, right? Yes. And um, so I think the first thing in messaging is to write a message where people can really, really connect it to human health. And okay. connected to climate change actions will really impact us. All those things that I talked to you about earlier, they also save you money. Right? Yeah. You know okay. Well, now, see, that's the way That's the way you get attention. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I try hard to, to message, you know, to make sure the message is clear about human health, about, uh, you know, healthy everything. And so I say, Healthy fish and wildlife leads to uh, healthy people, which leads to a healthy economy. And so putting all those things together, I think, would matter. And then tell you the truth, if you think about recycling and how it mm-hmm. started way back in the 70s, it mm-hmm. was the kids that went home and told the parents about yep. recycling, and they put pressure on them. If we think about George Floyd and what happened uh, in in this country related to the the murdering of George Floyd, which uh, happened in Minneapolis, which is one of the cities I lived in, mm-hmm. and uh, I, uh, but but I look, the youth movement was what really turned this country around. When you think about who was marching on those streets, it was yes. young 
young, all races that were there. So youth will be the ones that will change how we um, make some of these uh, small changes in our lives. And Richard Louvre has written a book that's called Nature Deficit. And he talks about uh, 20 years ago, he he wrote this book. And uh, because of that book, he started a movement in the public schools. And the kids are a lot more informed about the environment and why it's important for us to save nature. And so I think that that's what we're seeing now when we hear about climate change more often. We're hearing it because youth are, uh, are adults. Those youth 20 years ago, they were in the second, third, fourth grade, and now they're in positions where they can um, make a difference. Um, so I think that if um, if we will continue those types of efforts in our schools, uh, they will influence the parents, and I think that would make a big difference in where we where we land with uh, saving nature to save ourselves. Healthy fish, healthy people, healthy mm-hmm. economy. Absolutely. Richard Loop, can you say his last name or spell it? I'm sure I don't have it right. It's L-O-U-V, Loop. Okay. L-O-U-V. All right. That's perfect. Now, um, I agree with you in terms of young people. Um, we're mm-hmm. seeing their reaction to our stupidity. And we're seeing their impatience with our stupidity. And many people, I, I have friends that say, oh, millennials, this, that, and the other, stop. I say, stop. Who raised the millennials? Who were their parents? You. So, you, you know, but uh, the bottom line is they have a sense of urgency about things they want. Mm-hmm. And that can work to our advantage. But the thing that I think is important as well is that we listen to them. Mm, that's we, powerful. You know, we don't, hmm, I think sometimes we take them for granted. We make assumptions that they're not into things. But I have fun. I like to go and just sit in places where young people are and just listen. And their yeah. sensitivities to things that we, we wouldn't even believe they were sensitive to. And I said, yeah. you know, I, I have a lot of faith in the future if we can just make it. Now, I heard you say messaging, and we know that if you tell a group of people they're going to be financially positively affected if they do A, B, C, and D, we will get their attention. So, yeah, and, you know, we've done research uh, I, I happen to, to chair the uh, Student Conservation Association where they really uh, know a lot about youth engagement and they, when it comes to conservation, but also their internship program. And I just ended my um, term as the chair of the board. And what the research proved that, you know, a large percentage, I believe 70 some percent of the uh, students uh, that we interviewed, they said that climate change was real and they wanted to do their part. They just didn't always know what to do. Yes. And we as adults need to uh, need to really help them, um, you know, determine how they can help. And, and that's all youth. But then there's another group. They call them underrepresented, under whatever, whatever. I call them underestimated. And that's the black and brown. Uh, mm. uh, I like that you know. word. I like yeah. that word. 
I oh, really like that. Represented or under underserved or minority? No, it's underestimated. That's I love are. that because it's not negative. What it is is positive, actually. It's very true, positive. True. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. okay. So, what are you saying now? How can they push us forward? Because you were saying we need we need to let the children or yet let the young people, but the us old people uh-huh. we're not we listening out the way. you know we right. just like acting like everything mm-hmm. is like it used to be and i don't know how we can do that mm-hmm. when we had summer for winter this year you know and we just had right. all the tornadoes that aren't supposed to be tornadoes this time of year so um right. i don't think anybody that has a critical thinking mind can say there is no climate change right it, right it can't well, be an excuse we got to get our egos out the way. My mom said ego go, right? That's what it means. E-G-O, ego go. <laughs> I like it. Positive. And, you know, and we got to appreciate, acknowledge, and be, and be aware of our feelings and their thoughts and their ideas. Now, they need to appreciate us, too. Yes. Right now, there's five generations of, of individuals in the workplace. And sometimes I feel like in both directions that, um, there need to be a lot more, um, you know, collaborative efforts uh, made on both sides where we, uh, you know, make sure that we appreciate, acknowledge, and are aware of how people feel and deal with uh, some of the, 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 the challenges that we have and, and our approaches to doing things. I you used know. to um, teach a course managing four generations in the workplace so that tells you how long ago it was because now we have five okay okay so what was interesting one of the activities I did was to have a mock uh, staff meeting and people play the role of generation x generate millennials uh, uh, veterans boomers and and what does each one of those need to have their attention maintained in in that setting and how does a manager manage that because they all communicate differently they learn differently they listen differently and you know you've got people that say just give me an example just give me what you want me to do gen x and i'll talk to you when i have it done and then you have boomers that want to talk all day you know we want to gain consensus uh that's not a bad thing it's a challenge you know mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. i think generations are different because of the society and how we are evolving. So each of us has gifts to bring to the table, but we have to understand how to wrap them, unwrap them so that everybody has a present, you know? And yeah, I think it's funny, I, you know, I listened to you, you said five generations. I said, oh, Tyra, my God, you're getting so close to the end of the toilet paper roll. <laughs> <laughs> But I, um, I'm excited now about a couple of things. You, if you had, I'm going to ask you this question, what would you do about your passion or with your passion if you knew you could not fail? Uh, if I knew I would not fail. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'd probably run for political office. Look at you. I'll vote for you. <laughs> I would vote for you, Amy. I would probably write a book. <laughs> well, now you can do that. That's easy. Well, 
all of those things are easy, but when you when you fear, you know, learn about your fears and learn how to overcome them, right? That's the key. And then I'm a little, and then just not be. I'm tired too, so I I could probably do even more if I didn't think about the fact that I'm 65 years old, <laughs> just tired. <laughs> You know, I I can relate to Rosa Parks. They said she. <laughs> That's how come she sat down. down. <laughs> she was tired, and then she's old and bold. So some of the this is what I would have. But yes, yes, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you knew you could not fail, because now I'm I'm, I'm extrapolating. If you were in political office, you could be a game changer. You could mm-hmm. motivate change, right? To end climate, right? right? If, right. if you wrote the book, which I'm uh, going to make sure that happens, I'm going to light a fire under you. You cannot, you cannot not share your journey. You cannot not share and motivate young people. We need your story. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, I just want to make. I want to get that clear. All right. Tell me the best. Of, oh, no, I, I think I know what it is because um, your mother. Mama, your mama, I was going to ask you, what was the best advice you'd ever received? Yes. So um, I think it was, I put it in my letter, too. Okay. Um, Well, then you can save it. You can save it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you can save it. All right. What's lots of advice from her, for sure. And some of it, this is what I like and we don't often talk about, so much of what our mothers taught us happened through silence. Listening. We observed them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They trained us a lot. I mean, of course, I got punished a lot and a few spankings, but I also realized at this late date how much I remember my mom by behaviors. Yes, right. And uh, so you cannot go to the end of the toilet paper roll without having, I know you have a footprint because you've got a hundred and some pictures on uh, Google, but more than that. Oh, I've never looked at it. <laughs> oh, Mamie, it's, it's so amazing. Uh, the people that you're with, the stories that the photos tell, and what I liked is you were always smiling. Did you know that about you? <laughs> No, but I appreciate the fact that um, that that that's the image that I would love to uh, be known for because, you know, I could be sad. There's a lot to be sad about in my life, as you know, and I put that in my letter as well. But I'm just so grateful that uh, that I choose happiness. There you, you know, go. There's the verb. Okay, everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I know our listeners are going, well, they sure didn't plan this conversation. <laughs> It's sort of like my my spiritual play date. I am having such a good time, and thank you so, so, so much. Um, I have some other questions, but I think I want you to read your letter to your younger self because now you got me curious. (laughs) So uh, greetings, my beloved Mamie. You tried so hard to fit in and missed out on who you really are, a girl from one of the poorest regions in this country with your ancestors' richest dreams. It's your turn now, my love. You will have an amazing future and do your part to save the earth and save our people. 
The earth needs you. The black and brown people struggling from air and water pollution, they need you. Women and little girls need to see a sterling silver role model with a great sense of humor, grace, and grit. Mm. Having integrated your public school in the Jim Crow South, you will use that experience as a lonesome pioneer to be the outstanding pioneer conservationist. Mm. Keep your positive attitude and pleasing personality and life will treat you well. You will walk with presidents of these United States of America. You will host senators, governors, and leaders. You will speak all over the world and get standing ovations. Yay! You will work hard hard in your church and your community to put service above self, as we say in Rotary. You you will still be daunted by self-doubt and wonder often if they see you, if they hear you, and if you're good enough. But the beat goes on. I hope you will continue to move beyond those fears, those pains, and that hurt. That you will learn and teach others how to make investments in themselves. Your mother's voice will always be there guiding you as you reflect on her words of wisdom. If you listen to me, girl, I can teach you something. You will always be that listener with empathy and the one that will fight the challenges for others. I can't wait to see you climb the hills, the mountains for fish and wildlife and the earth. I can't wait to see you bring peace and joy to many youth in STEM. I can't wait to see you make sure that family and friends are okay. Now, baby girl, go work your dream and let's meet at the top. (laughs) And for anyone that hasn't received an email from Amy, she's always meeting us at the top. That was absolutely wonderful, inspirational. And with that inspiration, I'm going to add a footnote. We've talked about all the things you went through Uh, the challenges that you overcame in your journey to be who you are now. So for our spiritual doggy bag, I'm going to leave you with a thought. It includes a note from love, also known as God, and offered by author Glennon Doyle Melton. I quote, stop. Stop holding your breath. Breathe. There's enough. I've created an abundance of acceptance, attention, recognition, joy, peace, money, energy, clothes, food. I will never leave you without enough. And there's nothing to be afraid of. No feeling, no circumstance, no person. These things come and they go and you can live through them without running, hiding, numbing, or hurting another one of my children. And did you know this, my angel? There's never been anything wrong with you. Not one day in your life. You are exactly who you were meant to be right now as you are. You're not to be ashamed. You punish yourself, but you have no reason to be punished. You can stop now. You're free. I placed a part of me inside of you when you were born. It is love. 
Love is perfect and it's untouchable. No one can take it away from you. It's the deepest, purest part of you. That part that will someday return to me. You are love. You cannot be tarnished by anything you've done or that has been done to you. Everyone carries this piece of me. And I am a part of you. And you are a part of each other. The essence of each of you is love. You've been listening to Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. on Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia. With our special guest tonight, Dr. Mamie Parker, a DR doctor, a higher education doctor who walks and talks with presidents. I'm so proud of you, Mamie. I'm so proud of you. Your seat at the table is guaranteed. Remember, you are chosen. You are stronger than you know. You're smarter than you think. You're more beautiful than you can imagine. And more love. Oh, my goodness, so much love. Grab hold to all the goodness that you have. Embrace it and share it. I'm here. I'm listening. I love you. Until the next time, this is Tyra G.